Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, good, and bad martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by Gabby. Take just a couple of minutes and find out if you can save money, perhaps a lot of money, on your car insurance or your homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. More on that in just a moment. Jim, we've been waiting for this first good martini for, let's see, about eight months now, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, CNBC version of the story. Pfizer and BioNTech, am I saying that right, announced Monday their coronavirus vaccine was more than 90% effective in preventing COVID-19 among those without evidence of prior infection, hailing the development as, quote, a great day for science and humanity. Quote, I think we can see light at the end of the tunnel, Pfizer chairman and CEO Dr. Albert Borla told uh, CNBC's Squawk Box, quote, I believe this is likely the most significant medical advance in the last 100 years, if you count the impact this will have in public health and the global economy. The announcement comes as drug makers and research centers scramble to deliver a safe and effective vaccine to help bring an end to the coronavirus pandemic that has claimed over 1.2 million lives worldwide. Scientists are hoping for a coronavirus vaccine that's at least 75% effective, while White House coronavirus advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci has said one that is even 50 to 60 percent effective would be acceptable. Uh, so, Jim, it's going to be hard to separate science from politics entirely, although our, our third martini is, is much more about the politics. Um, given how long it takes to develop vaccines, doing this in the same calendar year, essentially, that the outbreak happened, certainly in this country, is an amazing achievement. It is, Greg, and it's hard, you know, when you first hear, this is the biggest deal in 100 years, look, maybe that's recency bias, but <laughs> I think you have to put this, uh, you know, top five, top 10 easily, you know, this is a very big deal. And I think one of the other things we should not ignore from this is that there are other vaccines that are in late stage trials, four of which are in the United States, uh, and they're using generally similar technology and approaches of attacking the virus. I won't go into all the medical details, but the gist being um, Moderna thinks they'll have results later this month. If it worked for Pfizer, it's a good chance it's going to work for these other uh, vaccines as well. Doesn't, you know, doesn't guarantee it, but, you know, it's kind of, it means one, one approach works. And by the way, 90% is really effective. We were looking for, you know, 70, 80. Food and Drug Administration says they should have enough doses to immunize 15 to 20 million people by the end of the year. And for the rest of us, assuming you're not on that top list of, you know, exceptionally vulnerable first responders, things like that, um, you're looking at uh, early in the spring. We are, you know, the, 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 the light is on the horizon. That light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. Also, by the way, kind of an important point, uh, no serious safety concerns have been observed. So anybody worried that you're going to have a one in a million really bad reaction or grow horns or something like that, it doesn't look like any of that stuff. Really good news. Um, I know everybody's, there's some people are like, oh, you know, isn't it suspicious they come out with this? Look, they always said the results were going to be in the neighborhood of mid-November. It is November 9th. We are closer to the middle of November than to the beginning of November. We had an early election day this year. It's always the first Tuesday of, of uh, November. But sometimes it's November 7th. Sometimes it's November 3rd, like it was this time. And it just happened. This is when it was ready. Look, take good news, folks. Take the W. Take the the uh, sign of we get us all getting back to normal. Um, also, it's worth noting that as we vaccinate, this will increase herd immunity. This will increase the number of people who have an immunity to it and who cannot now let the virus jump from one person to the next. 
life should be getting back to normal sometime in the early part of next year. And Greg, that is about as welcome news as I could possibly imagine this morning. A lot of folks will like to see that. Uh, maybe we don't have to have the national mask mandate that Biden is bouncing back to now. Uh, the, the investors certainly like it. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the the chart for the Dow today, it's just a vertical line right around the time that news came out. Uh, as of this uh, recording, shortly before noon Eastern time, the Dow is still up over 1,000 points. Uh, NASDAQ up more than 100. And so uh, investors definitely like this news. And I think uh, assuming that uh, no other hiccups happen along the way here, that uh, that that's going to continue on Wall Street for a little while. Jim, you got uh, these other uh, labs, other pharmaceuticals and so forth, developing these vaccines. And so they're technically in competition with each other, even though they're kind of doing it, some on their own dime, some on the taxpayer dime. But if they all develop effective vaccines, are we going to have commercials like the old Burger Wars or Coke versus Pepsi about which vaccine you really ought to be getting? <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind that, you know. <laughs> Just as long as they don't get to attack ads. <laughs> Pfizer says that its vaccine won't give you big purple spots. But can you really trust them? Moderna's vaccine is, you know, minty fresh, you know, or something like that. Um, by the way, you know, this arguments about whether this counts as part of Operation Warp Speed. Pfizer did not take Operation Warp Speed money for the research part, but Operation Warp Speed promised Pfizer nearly two billion for 100 million doses. So I don't think, you know, there are people say, oh, this has nothing to do with Trump and Operation Warp Speed. Well, wait a second, wait a second. If Pfizer didn't know that they had nearly two billion coming along for the, the dosage, they probably might not have been able to research the way they did. That nice little guarantee of payment at the end of the process. Um, and but there are also libertarians who are celebrating, hey, it was the uh, it was the non-government funded vaccine effort that uh, they got results. Although I believe the German company also had a certain amount of uh, government funding there. Guys, take the win. Stop fighting over credit. <laughs> I'm calling an audible, Jim. I'm going to stick with the COVID uh, theme and go to our bad martini next and save the second good martini for last since it's technically unrelated, but uh, who knows. Sure. But uh, but in the meantime, let's talk about some other good news, and that is uh, saving money on car insurance because when you've had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped sometimes into paying your premiums and not thinking about it. You shopped around at the time, you found a good deal, and you figured out, Maybe I'll even put it on auto pay, set it, forget it. Uh, I've got a good deal. I don't need to keep checking to see if I could get anything better. Well, that makes it really easy to overpay when it comes to your car insurance and your homeowner's insurance premiums, and you might not even realize it. So, you know, if you set it and forget it, a lot of things can change, especially if you're putting in claims and other factors can change those rates. So stop overpaying for car and homeowner's insurance. See about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have, thanks to Gabby. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples -apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers. You just link your current insurance account, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. Gabby customers save $825 per year on average, and if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate that is out there. And they will never sell your information, so no more annoying spam or robocalls. A lot of places say it's really easy to check, really easy to sign up, and sometimes it isn't. It really is at Gabby. I've gone through the process. Uh, you do uh, have about 10 different very quick prompts. What's your zip code? How old are you? Depending on which insurance you're looking for here, auto insurance or, or homeowner's insurance. It's very easy stuff to answer. At the very end, you link to your current policy. And then they just check to see which providers might give you a better deal 
uh, for the exact same coverage. It could not be simpler. And uh, the good news was we did not need to change. But it's totally free to check your rate, and there's no obligation. Plus, they protect your information. So take a few minutes right now and stop overpaying on your car and home insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim. So we got the good news about the vaccine. Let's bring in Debbie Downer, played today by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who was on uh, Good Morning America with George Stephanopoulos. And uh, yes, Andrew Cuomo managed to find the grim bad lining of this amazing news. Here's his good news, bad news. Uh, well, it's it's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. The vaccine plan is very important and it's probably the most ambitious undertaking undertaking since uh, COVID began. So Cuomo's upset that the Trump approach is going to largely use the private sector. And so he's worried that people who don't have access uh, nearby to a CVS or a Rite Aid are going to get lost in the shuffle, fall through the cracks and so forth. And so here's his solution to that. Uh, You have two months and we can't let this vaccination plan go forward the way the Trump administration is designing it because Biden can't undo it two months later. We'll be in the midst of it. Uh, And I'm going I've been talking to governors across the nation about that. Uh, How can we shape the Trump administration vaccine plan to fix it or stop it uh, before it does damage? All right. So the guy who sent seniors back to nursing homes when they were covid positive is willing to wait a couple more months for folks to get the vaccine. There's a a big shock, Jim. Um, Do you have a a better way to do a plan? Maybe. Okay, lobby for that. Uh, But the idea that nothing can ever change uh, sounds a whole lot to me translated as I really don't want any Republicans to get credit for this. Am I being too jaded here? No, not at all. And I think what's more (laughs) is that a lot of people are going to hear that section at the end and say, we're going to look at how we can stop it. Assume they're referring to the vaccine. By the way, you know, Pfizer just did it tested, 90% effectiveness, no negative side effects, right? Now, it came out in a press release. It hasn't been peer-reviewed. I am sure the medical journals in the coming days and weeks and months are going to be giving their assessment of it. As I also just noted a moment ago, there are other companies that are working on vaccines. We may be dealing with more than one vaccine here. And the one, you know... If you, if you really want to squint and look for bad news in this, my understanding is that the Pfizer vaccine has to be refrigerated and it takes two doses. So this will be a little more complicated to administer than, say, your annual flu shot or something like that. But look, this these are minor details that we can work out in the process of administering and distributing this vaccine. This is not something where you're like, ah, oh, where are we going to find refrigerated trucks in America? You know, or, or ah. Oh, you get a vaccine, you have to come back a month later for a booster. Uh, you know, come on. This is this is really small problems here. Um, Cuomo's comments very much sound like, look, something really great happened that was done in part because of administration initiative. But I want to make sure that no one feels any better about the Trump administration because of this. It is ridiculous. And his talk about stopping it certainly makes it sound like he thinks this is not a safe vaccine. There's no reason to think that. And right now, Andrew Cuomo is... He, He may not be an anti-vaxxer, but he is saying the sort of things that anti-vaxxers take as fuel to their fire 
and is going to undermine the effort to get people vaccinated in the next couple of months. Well, this is nothing new. I mean, Kamala Harris said in the debate, and uh, I'm not sure if Biden specifically said it, but other Democrats certainly have that, uh, well, we trust the scientists, but we don't trust President Trump on this. And so I don't know. I don't think that uh, Pfizer was waiting for the thumbs up from Trump. If that was the case, it probably would have happened a week ago. Yeah. You know, I, I get like also like because I'm hearing some people say, oh, Pfizer was holding back on this. Ah, you mean the, the hardline liberals in charge of Pfizer pharmaceuticals? Let's let people die for another week just so we get the president we want. Okay. Hey, guys, it's Mock and Daisy from the Chicks on the Right, and we're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. If you've been stressed lately with the information overload on social media or just don't feel like anything in the news makes sense anymore, don't worry, because we're here to clear things up. Every week, we discuss topics like cancel culture, national crisis, what's happening to our new generations. And if you're just plain tired of people trying to tell you what to do or how to live your life, we tackle that, too. Find out more by going to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and subscribe. Let's move on to our second good martini, Jim. So it's good, bad, good. And this is unrelated to the virus, although who knows how it could impact the race technically. But uh, we're likely headed towards two Senate runoffs in Georgia. I think there's a recount that's going to happen in Georgia, but unless there's a change, um, David Perdue has not reached that 50% barrier. And so he and John Ossoff are headed to the runoff. And we've known from the get-go that Kelly Loeffler and uh, Raphael Warnock are headed to the runoffs, both of them on January 5th, mind you. And so right now it's 48-48 in the Senate. We're still waiting on results from Alaska, where Republican Dan Sullivan is running for re-election. And as of right now, he's got the lead. And North Carolina, where we're very close to uh, all the votes being counted, but it's officially November 12th when they're going to declare an an end to the count and and give us the updated results on the Tillis-Cunningham race with Tillis still ahead by about 90,000 votes as of now. Uh, So depending on how those go, if Republicans hang on to those leads and the Democrats were to win both in Georgia, it'd be 50-50. Kamala Harris breaks the tie, Chuck Schumer's majority leader. Um, If Republicans hang on to the two seats that we just mentioned and win one or both in Georgia, then Republicans control the Senate and Mitch McConnell stays on as majority leader. And so Chuck Schumer who you know is just going to resonate really well in Georgia, is uh, out there saying that uh, it's time to uh, let everybody know in Georgia what's on the line. Here's what he said. Now we take Georgia, and then we change the world. Yeah! Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. (laughs) So, Jim, you know... When you look at it, uh, uh, Purdue was ahead of Ossoff. If you combine Leffler and Collins, they were certainly well ahead of Warnock, but there were so many people in that race, it's hard to get a clear picture of where the race currently stands. But uh, Chuck Schumer, the epitome of uh, liberal politics in Washington, trying to uh, make the case to people in Georgia, is pretty funny. And uh, to little surprise, uh, the National Republican Senatorial Committee already has ads up from that. So uh, well done, Chuck. Thanks for the in-kind contribution. You know, boy, when you think Georgia politics, Chuck Schumer is exactly the <laughs> exactly the tone, the style. This guy knows how to win those votes down there. Um, look, first of all, for the, I, when you went through the you ably went through all of the factors going into the control of the Senate in the next couple of weeks and months, Greg. But it's worth noting, um, you know, they're probably going to this possibility of doing a recount in Georgia. If those who are wondering if a recount in Georgia could move enough votes to Purdue so he avoids a runoff, first of all. Purdue, it'd be a separate runoff from a president. They don't count both of them at once. So Purdue would have to uh, request it. 
uh, and possibly pay for it. Um, he right now would need to gain 12,228 votes out of about 4.93 million cast. So looking at past uh, today's morning jolt, I go through the history of recounts. You usually only see a couple hundred votes switch one way or the other. Um, I don't think a recount would get uh, Purdue uh, not needing a recount and he would win it outright. So when you get them, you know, in ordinary circumstances, this is a Republican win. Uh, but the state is, which was once, you know, ruby red is now kind of purpley. Uh, it looks like Biden has won the state uh, in the presidential race by a very narrow margin. And for this reason, Democrats think they have a shot in these runoffs. Now, traditionally, you have when you have runoffs, whether it's in Georgia or in Louisiana, uh, you see an enormous drop off in voter interest. Uh, people start thinking about Thanksgiving and putting up Christmas decorations and, and just doing, you know, general holiday stuff. They're less engaged, much lower turnout. The Republican usually wins safely. I don't know if you can count on that in this particular set of circumstances. You, you, you know, people know this, this, the entire control of the Senate could come down to these two seats. Um, and they will probably, the Democrats will throw in all the money they've got. I'd be surprised if you didn't see Biden and, and Harris down there for holding rallies for the Democratic candidates. I, I'd be nice to, you know, say, I understand the president wants to um, have recounts or to litigate what he sees as a vote fraud in these critical states. But at some point, the Republican Party's attention will need to focus on control of the Senate and these two races. Um, I don't think this is a guarantee. I think they're favored, um, but you never know. And so at some point, this is going to have to, this is going to be a huge fight with huge consequences. Um, but again, things like this from Chuck Schumer and the fact that we're also starting to see some internal uh, uh, disputes amongst the Democrats focusing on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the likes of Spanberger and folks like that. Internal divisions amongst the Democrats might help a little bit, um, if nothing else is a distraction from their messaging that they want from now until uh, recount day. We're going to know a lot of things before we get very close to this runoff date. We're going to know who won these other two seats. Uh, we're going to see what happens with all of Trump's legal challenges. By then, the Electoral College will have met. I believe the day after the runoff is when Congress uh, officially validates the Electoral College. So there's going to be a lot of different working parts uh, heading into this uh, election day. And so do you think it's smart for Leffler and, and Purdue to kind of run as a unit or do you have to run your own campaign? This is this is a situation we don't see very often. I, you know, it's going to be interesting. First of all, the, the best assessment I've seen of Ossoff is that, for, I think it was from Brendan Buck who said, John Ossoff looks like it's part of some wacky comedy where the guy running social media ends up being the candidate. Um, look, you know, two different kind of candidates. Warnock said some very interesting things about Israel being an apartheid state that I don't know if Ossoff would agree with. You could pro A shrewd Republican Party could use the differences between the two of them, try to turn them into issues and get as much difference, you know, as much frustration between the two camps as possible. But uh, I, I feel reasonably OK about uh Republican chances here, but obviously stranger things have happened and I would not, uh, uh, I would not count on it. What do you see in terms of the motivation right now? And obviously a lot can change. It's almost two months away. And we, again, we don't know what will happen with the legal challenges, but, uh, when you have folks wondering if uh, the vote counting was on the up and up, uh, I think Eric Erickson, who lives in Georgia was talking about this. He's worried that, uh, motivation to show up for these elections that will probably determine the majority of the Senate uh, concerns him a little bit. So uh, do you expect Republicans to come out in force if uh, if Biden is still the president elect? Or do you think it uh, is going to be a depressing factor if the legal challenges are unsuccessful? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's a battle between complacency and either anger or, or some sort of desire to say, hey, 
if this is the last vote of the 2020 cycle, I don't want to make sure you hear from me and I feel X, you know, I, I, you know, I support this candidate. You know, if you're a Republican, you know, you, I can understand why you'd be down about Trump not winning. Uh, but I'd point out that by a whole bunch of measures, he beat he beat the point spread. He beat the expectations by a wide margin. And the fact that we're having these fights about Georgia and North Carolina and Nevada and Arizona and Pennsylvania is that he's managed to be within one or two percent. I guess in Nevada, it's probably like two point three percent of a whole bunch of states that he you know wasn't supposed to win. Uh, you know, obviously, we can, we can have we've discussed the how far off the polls were, but you know, these are all you know, generally you know, Nevada. This is a, considered a pretty democratic state most years. Pennsylvania has not been a, a ruby red one by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, North Carolina and Georgia have traditionally been Republican leaning, but remember, Obama won North Carolina back in two thousand eight. Um, you know, in Arizona, yeah, it's you know, we, we talk about how they need to do better amongst uh, you know, suburban women in Maricopa County and all that stuff. But he's you know, by no means. Uh, you know, out of all this stuff, Donald Trump improved his performance amongst a whole bunch of demographics. This, this is not something where Donald Trump needs to be uh, slinking away in shame. I know he loves to, you know, tout himself as a winner, but he performed pretty darn well. He's at more than 71 million votes. That is the second most t- votes any presidential candidate has ever gotten. It's just his unfortunate luck that Joe Biden has the most with 75 million right now. So I don't think Republicans should be depressed after this. I think the gains in the House Depending on how things shake out, we could end up with like 210, 212 seats. That's huge. We, you know, and keep, like the, the only thing that could really undo so much of Trump's legacy would be losing the Senate. So if you're a Republican in Georgia, man, you, you know, if the stakes aren't high enough for you here, I just can't imagine when they would be high enough for you to come out and vote, even if it's an, even if it's an unusual time of year. Yeah, I'm thinking back to 2008, and uh, obviously there was not much controversy in who won the presidential race that year, but there was a runoff in Georgia, and Saxby Chambliss won his second term uh, by a wide margin. So if uh, Republicans actually show up on January 5th, there's every reason to believe that things might not be that wide of a margin. Things have changed a little bit in Georgia, but uh, there's, there is reason to believe that things should trend red if, uh, if the turnout machine does its job. Democrats can do everything they possibly can to get their base out. But as you pointed out, history suggests one, if the election's not in November, they're not bothering. They're, they're, they're content. And particularly if their guy wins the presidency, ah, okay, we're fine. Every, that, that the complacency sets in really fast in every political party as soon as they win the White House. We'll, we'll see just how fast, I guess, in a couple of weeks, Greg. I don't know. You got some folks on Twitter on the left saying that Bloomberg should pay for people to move to Georgia so they can vote and then they can move back home. So I'm not sure they're they're going to be all that complacent. But I'm thinking that's violating some law somewhere. <laughs> well, you would think so. Yeah. You would think so. But uh, hey, given Bloomberg's track record so far in this campaign, maybe maybe we should encourage it. Actually, we need Schumer and Bloomberg touring the rural counties of Georgia. <laughs> We will take away your guns, and that's why you must vote for our candidates this year. (laughs) There you go. Free advice, Democrats. Free advice. Don't say we never give you anything. Jim, have a great day. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please don't forget about our friends over at Gabby, gabby.com slash martini to check on possibly lowering your car or homeowner insurance rates. Uh, Subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We love and are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.